You are listening to Citizen Reporter at citizenreporter.org. Well, hello. Yes, indeed. It's a Citizen Reporter. It's a Mark Fonseca Rendeiro. It's a bicycle mark for some out there who know me that way. Uh, Yeah, the podcast is back. 2019, there will be podcasts. And I'm starting to get warmed up. It takes me a while sometimes after all these years going since 2004. And then when I look back at 2004 and podcasting, when it all started, when we started, there was a Dave Brightbill, uh, a great podcaster, a voice that I've known for years. And he happened to be in Amsterdam just a couple of days ago, and we recorded the following show. What better way to start the year, huh? Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen and friends uh, out there in podcast land, maybe my first one of 2019, uh, I'm very, very pleased to have my friend uh, Dave Brightbill here in the kitchen in Amsterdam. Hi, Dave. Hey, Mark. Nice to see you. Yeah, it's great to see you. Yeah. We haven't seen each other in a few years. In a few years, yeah. It's yeah. been a while, maybe five years or so, something yeah. like that, since I was yeah. last here. And at least uh, I think I've snuck through here a few times <laughs> since then, but uh, last time we saw each other. And it's, yeah. uh, it's really nice to be in your house. It's a beautiful house. And uh, and you live in a beautiful city. You know, I, I think um, Amsterdam, um, it has a lot of... Um, a lot of issues, uh, so, many, so many people, you know, so many, um, but, you know, I think the social contract between um, between wealth and, and working people in the Netherlands is a lot, uh, lot better than a lot of places I've been. Hmm. Yeah, the state of inequality or, yeah, that's, yeah. that is an interesting point. Yeah, no, you know, and, and it, I guess it goes with living a place, living in a place for a long time, but, um, you know, I don't spend a lot of time saying that this is the greatest place or anything like that. No. I I I have feel a great attachment to it and a love for it, but I can also criticize it forever. Of course, yeah. You know, and that uh-huh. to me tells me that I truly am home. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Good. Yeah. Well, I've noticed some some changes uh, since the last time I've come here and uh, mainly uh, scooters on the on the uh, feet feet spots. Yeah. Yeah. It's um that's uh, really a surprise to me and uh, yeah. I think it's uh, not a good thing probably, you know, it's um and there some of those drivers are pretty aggressive, you yeah. know, and um yeah. you know, it's um I mean there's plenty of aggressive bike drivers and <laughs> but um and, yeah. the, and the bike lane is getting crowded with it other is. kinds of yeah. devices that companies are yeah. developing. That's, I hear about scooters. I don't really the, yeah. the, the, the like the push scooters, but they're yeah, I haven't seen electric. Many of those. Yeah. yeah, like the Lime bikes in the U.S. That's been a problem. There's a, it's um you know it's a a, a change in transportation, a, a disintermediation in a way you know, and a, and a disruption of the transportation mm-hmm. system in, in a good way, I think you know, but. Um, but the governments haven't caught up to it yet, yeah. and the regulations haven't caught up to it. So yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. What can uh, I say, uh, Dave? You, you know, I was just—we were just telling some neighbors <laughs> how we know each other, and that is indeed through podcasting. Through podcasting, uh, yes. And that was back in two thousand four, two thousand five. Uh, yeah, a long time ago. Yeah. yeah, we were babies in the podcasting world then. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was interesting. You know, it was when podcasts were first uh, getting going. There weren't a lot of corporate podcasts then. Um, now, of course, you know, there's. Um, you know, there's 
every large organization, every political party in every country, every every uh, broadcast <laughs> news organization has podcasts, and yep. um, you know, so so yeah, so it's uh, it's interesting. Things have changed a lot in that world, and of course the. Um, you know the the technology's changed. Like we've been talking about technology having some challenges with it today, and uh, sure, and um, uh, <laughs> classical challenges yes, even. Yes, software. Yeah, software. Yes, but um, you know, um, it's interesting because um, uh, you know I think the um, I think that it's still a, um, a democratic media, and still a, the barriers to entry for podcasting are very uh, are very small, mm. and uh, the the same problems exist. I'm you know I've been away from it for a while, trying to pursue a career in uh, in research, and I've come back to it recently as a retired person. Mm-hmm. Sono in pensionato, <laughs> uh, but um, I um, I've um, I've noticed that uh, some of the same challenges exist, and one of the things that I've always tried to do in, in podcasts when I've done them is to include um, include music because I'm a you know a, a lover right. of music and and it's just as difficult now to do that as it was before because of licensing and yeah. um, automated uh, systems that pull your oh yeah, I know yeah. they, they they find the they find <laughs> the content and then there's you know even uh, pieces that were you know out of copyright uh, somebody comes and claims them Harry Fox or somebody comes along and says oh yeah but that was an arrangement that yeah. somebody did, and, you know, later on, and you're using the same arrangement, even though it's a different, you know, it's it's crazy. Yeah. So it's really difficult. But what I've tried to do in the past, and, I, and I, it seems to have worked out pretty well for me, first is to keep my head down mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, not have a huge audience. And the other thing <laughs> is to um, is to contact the, the artist directly. Yeah. And um, so I always figure, you know, if I contact the artist directly and um, seek their permission to do it, then you know, screw everybody else mm-hmm. if they want to come after me and, you know, <laughs> take my my cabin in the woods away. Yeah. You know, it, more it power took, to them. It took me a few years, but uh, I do now, and this show will start with my, my theme music, which was yeah. composed and recorded by a childhood friend of mine who at Sparrow Recording Studios, Nick Aflito. And I, I said to him not long ago, I said, you know, you 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 produce some music, you, you, you play a lot. Maybe when yeah. you're playing, you want to Make me a theme song? Yeah. And he yeah. said, what are you thinking? What kind of sounds are you thinking? And I said, well, give me a little Stranger Things was big at the time. And I was like, give me some of that sort of electric sci-fi, but also give me some bass. And, and he, yeah. he whipped up something. Oh, that has, nice. It has numerous sections in it, so I can choose, actually, uh, what I'm going to use today. Uh, but I'm so thankful for that because, one, no dangers in terms of whose is this. Yeah. And and two, it's, it's it was made for me. There's there's nothing nicer. Yeah, actually. It's it's, it's um <laughs> it's bespoke. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of like the first time I ever went I only went once actually, but I went to Thailand and it was I think my first trip to Asia mm-hmm. and someone said, Well, you're in Thailand, you should get yourself a shirt or a suit made for you. Yeah. And I said, That sounds like something a wealthy person would do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're on a shoestring budget. And they said, Well, first of all, Go find out because it's not that bad. And second of all, you've never had a shirt or a jacket made for you. And I could not think of it yeah, ever having yeah, happened. Yeah. And I did it. And I have to say, it changed my life. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> I know. It's it's really amazing to have things that are built to, to fit you, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm struggling with new shoes this week, actually. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On the cobblestone streets of Amsterdam. But that's um, yeah. nice. Yeah. But so, yeah, so, you know, when I when I knew that you were coming to town and, and I realized that probably the last time you were here, we didn't record. We no. we tend to do what humans do, which is sit and talk and yeah, enjoy yeah. a meal. And, yeah. Um, but I, I thought, no, I would love to have you back on the mic. I mean, you were part of my listening diet for 
at least two years, yeah. maybe more, yeah, maybe it, double it, that much. It, it was fun, you know, and, yeah. and um, I started it too because, uh, well, I, I guess I don't remember which one I started for. I think I started the, the uh, Radio Mac guys first, and it was um, it was uh, mainly uh, – to, to when I started, it was to market my uh, my consulting business a little bit and try to um, you know, and then I decided to close that business because I had to take care of a of a relative who required care and I couldn't travel and do consulting anymore. So so then I had to close that business down, and uh, I was still getting you know email and calls from foreign former clients who you know still wanted my services, and I couldn't. I couldn't, you know, go off to New York City or San Francisco mm. or wherever to, to help them out. And um, so um, what I started to do was to um, to collect questions and then uh, and then try to, you know, each podcast, uh, you know, try to hit us some questions that people had asked. And um, if nobody asked questions that week, I'd make some up and uh, it yeah. worked out well, too. Yeah. And um, so I did that for a couple of years after, um, after I closed the business down. And I did a local podcast for a while, too, which was really fun. Uh, All right. Didn't, it didn't have this, the, the reach that the, that the Macintosh <laughs> one had but because uh, it's a small town. But uh, it actually um, got me a job uh, because uh, – um, you know, when I needed to, to get a real job because uh, again, I was taking care of a, of somebody and couldn't leave my city. Um, I, um, I was able to, um, you know, use that as a kind of a reference point and somebody had, had knew me from that world and, and, uh, knew my, uh, my work and invited me to come and, and, uh, and get a real job for a while. So it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. So look at that. The, again, the magic of this, this thing that we like to do. Um, it's interesting that you say, uh, and, and again, we've been watching the changes. Are you, are you still listening to podcasts? I am. Part yeah, of yeah, I, I do. I listen to quite a few of them. Um, yeah. I, uh, I, I, there's a, um, I know this is, this is kind of like admitting, um, <laughs> admitting uh, trashy behavior, but, um, I really like, um, I really like the, uh, Decoder Ring Theater podcast. It's a, uh, it's a serial kind of a detective noir series and okay. and a superhero series that's uh, oh, yeah. two that are both set in Canada around the time of World War II and uh, very interesting so I've been listening to those for a long time it's a company um, somewhere up in I think in Toronto or someplace that wow. has been doing these for about uh, 10 years now I guess and so huh. they've got quite a quite a catalog yeah I like a hardcore history a lot that's yeah. a, it's a favorite of mine and yeah. uh, um, you know, a few other ones that are especially, um, you know, kind of in the technology world that I'm interested in. We were talking about a couple of uh, a video cast earlier that I'm I'm really uh, fond of, and I get a lot of, um, you know, get a lot of juice out of, and it gets me inspired for some of the projects I like to do. You mm. know, because I like to tinker with electronics and try to try to uh, invent new things and you know figure out solutions to problems in my life and other people's lives that can be solved by engineering. So. Yeah. It's fun. Those programs that you listen to, I mean, do you, like by and large, how did you find them? Well, organically, I'd say, yeah. um, you know, um, the organic finding is, is well, still, yeah. it, it was, you know, usually it's because I'm, I'm, there's something I'm interested in. I've got an interest in something. Um, you know, I've, um, um, you know, I'm interested in history, uh, mm. and I, I, um, you know, I, uh, I think I found hardcore history because I was, um, I was looking at the history of, I think, Florence Nightingale, who was the lady with the lamp, right? Mm -hmm. And um, a friend of mine had told me, told me that uh, one of my drinking buddies told me that uh, Florence Nightingale had invented the pie chart. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I may have the story wrong, but she, I think she was the... Uh, Many the, an office worker cringes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, she, had invented, she had invented, you know, PowerPoint, basically, because uh, she had come back from the Crimean, Crimean War, and she had... Um, um, you know, uh, 
seen the uh, seen what happened with sepsis there and, and how you know people who were exposed to to uh, to um, had their wounds exposed to the air were getting all these terrible infections and everything so uh, she um, went to uh, went to government and uh, you know uh, tried to use visual aids to explain you know uh, this to these politicians and so you know and so that's how I found you know that's how I found hardcore history or one of the history podcasts right. anyway that got me in that genre yeah um, and I like the um, detective noir uh, world and so I kind of pay attention to that and and then I have some friends that do uh, do podcasts too in the states and I try to follow them and, right. and see what they're up to and all so it's yeah it's it's um it's kind of a, it's kind of a fun world and I know a lot of people that listen to podcasts it's right. become a, a huge thing you know and um, uh, I'm many people who, uh, on their daily commutes, uh, you know, plug in their headphones. Uh, right. I was talking to a friend here in, um, in Amsterdam who, uh, commutes on her bicycle and, uh, we had a, I had a, gave her a stern talking to cause she puts the earphones on when she's riding the bicycle to right. listen to podcasts and I said, this could be open earphones. This, this is not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I have the, and I think a lot of people listening who are in Amsterdam will know this uh, for yourselves, the um, earphones that don't really block. Ah. Uh, so you hear all the street sounds uh, or most. That's a, that's a good thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, the, but the tricky thing is that I think uh, noise-canceling, like over-the-ear headphones yeah, have become yeah. much more common yes. and affordable. Yeah. And I think that those are lovely if you're on a plane, yeah. if you if you don't need to communicate with anyone. Yeah. But I'm surprised how many people may be wearing them on bike. Yeah. Although I can't always tell if the noise canceling is on. But still, it's it's cups over your ears. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a bad idea. It's yeah. like in the in the states, uh, people clickety clicking on their devices. You know, and and I was um, I was actually hit. Uh, couple of years ago by an insurance adjuster i was at a red light in my truck and uh, stopped oh, totally yeah. stopped and uh, he was clickety clicking on his computer trying to figure out where he was going to go next and and uh, knocked me about a block ahead you know yeah. and uh yeah so yeah so it, these um you know it, i'm i'm not fond of the people trying to multitask on, right during, yeah. during transportation and it's, it's become very common cyclists will have a phone in their hand yeah and they'll be messaging or browsing. Right. When or I looking. when I was driving here today on my bike, I yeah. uh, was looking, you know, following Google Maps to come find you, you know. Yeah. And uh, I know it was like it was distracting because you know at least it wasn't <laughs> rush hour. No, and there is a kind of a protocol. Like I wouldn't say it's completely dangerous. I mean, it's dangerous, but there is a protocol. Like we all kind of know now when someone probably because you're behind someone mm -hmm. and they're going slow. Now there's a couple of possibilities. One is they're just a tourist, kind mm -hmm. of trying to figure out. Mm -hmm. First of all, how can I pedal? regularly yeah, yeah. and not be tired and the other thing is where am i yeah. but the other thing that we all now know is probably going on that you can't quite see at first is this person is looking at a phone actually yeah you know i just see behind them they're they're just going slow yeah but then once you pass them and you can pass them yep, if yep. you're staying right yep. then you can have a look and you'll say oh yeah they're looking at a phone and it's up to you i mean most people don't say anything uh you know there are moments where i'm like <clears throat> you know, but that doesn't yeah, yeah. communicate anything. Uh, um, so it's become normal. But it's interesting that cyclists are now affected with this. Like, yeah, yeah. you really got to text this message right now. Or, yeah. But it's mostly maps. It's mostly yeah. people carrying, looking for a place. Well, something that's happened in my in my city, in uh, Tallahassee, um, is that we've had, um, you know, um, quite a few deaths on bicycles. People mm -hmm. hit by cars. So there's... Um, you know, I've actually known two people who've died on personally known people who've died on bicycles in my city, and it's um, 
it's really bad because um, you know there's there's no infrastructure for cyclists, and if right. there is infrastructure, it, it's in places where it's not needed. And when you get to the busy intersection where there ought to be some sort of you know method for cyclists getting through, uh, yeah. that's where the problems happen, and there's no infrastructure there because it's too difficult. And yeah. And your so area intersections can be quite big too. Right? Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's yeah, it's a, yeah, it's yeah. It's a it's a big thing. So I I cycle a lot, but I try to um, you know to cycle on secondary roads and and stay off the highways. And even when I cycle from city to city in the states, I try to um, only go on roads that have shoulders. And I I have mirrors because. Right. You know, you can't always hear cars coming down the road, especially the electric ones now. <laughs> so right. uh, I, I right. want to be on a road that I can ditch if I have to, you know. So yeah. anyway. So we talked about bicycles instead of podcasting. We're <laughs> yeah, going, we We're did. going in the wrong direction, uh-huh. man. No, but, you know, so one of the topics that I'm very interested in, the reason I ask you, you know, what are you listening to? First of all, because it's, it's become, and I am thankful for that change over the years. It used to be if you brought up podcasting, you got a lot of confusion and, yeah, yeah. and just, I think many people dismissed it as some odd little thing uh, like ham radio or something yes, yes, yes exactly yeah, yeah. yeah and and so you know if i said that i wanted to dedicate my career or my time and energy to podcasting i would get these looks of what is that how can you survive yeah. why you know yeah. but now I, there's much less explanation required because it's become so standard everybody listens to them yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. um but but one of my big sort of open questions for the future and it applies to search on the internet in general but it's the question of you know so many choices mm-hmm. so much creativity out mm-hmm. there um but then the the classic question how do you get found right or 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 what happens in a future yeah. where everybody has a podcast so so my career when i when i left um when i left my consulting work and i i moved into um into a, um, you know, into a straight job, as they say. Um, I uh, worked for an organization that was involved in metadata. Yeah. And I was actually on the, um, on the, uh, um, one of the voting members of uh, something called NISO, which was the U.S. Uh, um, delegate to the International Standards Organization. So I got to vote on all kinds of crazy, okay. crazy standards and everything. But I think the secret is metadata. And uh, I think that, um, that, um, you know, that there's, Many podcasters don't understand metadata, and they they don't um, they don't uh, tag their 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 stuff properly. Um, I think that you know it's all about discovery, and in the library world that I've been spending some time in lately, um, discovery is is what it's all about. How do you make things discoverable? And it really it's really about describing it well, and um, you know, and so then when you know I'm interested in you know a um, a problem with um, you know the sound uh, quality on this sure. iPhone that I'm recording <laughs> on today. Um, you know I can uh, I can search for that, and um, because people have tagged their their both their their writing and their their audio and their video properly, um, I can find it. And then there's kind of um, you know there's a little bit of serendipity around that too because. You know, you find things as you're heading one direction, you find something, something else, else that's really yeah. interesting to you. And yeah, yeah, just sure. uh, it's a, yeah, but I think that's the secret. And it's, yeah. um, and you know, and also making alliances, um, mm. you know, uh, with other folks, um, you know, trying to, um, you know, I'm, I believe in something called servant leadership. That's my, uh, that's kind of my path, uh, in when I, in organizations that I've been part of. And it's, kind of leading from the rear, promoting other people and yeah. trying to make them successful. And yeah. I think when you do that, uh, it, it helps build your brand too. It makes yeah. you more successful and helps you, you know, reach more of the world. So, yeah, 
I, I and I remember that from I'm going to call it our era of podcasting, yeah. uh, which was we would whether it was a you know whatever you want to call it a shout out or a mention or a, yeah. a recommendation, yeah. but we would talk about other shows. Yes, exactly, um, because there were so few of them. Yeah, and it was part of the joy anyway, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, how are we all going to find each other? Well, yeah. let me tell you what I've been listening to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've actually been mulling over as old fashioned as it is, possibly having a newsletter where I just want to talk about what I'm listening to this week. Cool, and it may be useful for other people. It may just be entertaining without having to listen, but I also want to um, take a critical look at what I'm listening to and then also just enjoy it in a way Um, because I get a lot of ideas, like you said, inspiration from what I listen to, but you know, it's a regular conveyor belt of stuff and it's, I I don't know, I want to enjoy it a bit more, maybe share it with others. Now you can do that in conversation, of course, course. but I'm wondering how to do that with more people, just a few more. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And a newsletter is such an old fashioned idea. I'm not a huge fan. And at the same so, time, I'm looking at it with a curiosity. So you need to get an old mimograph machine and, uh, you know. Make it a zine is what it's going to be. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah, the old recommendation system. I mean, yeah. blogs were like that. Blogs right? were like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, that's a, a platform that's kind of, uh, you know, changed a lot to uh, <laughs> the uh, the makerspace that I uh, belong to in Florida. Um, they're working right now on trying to figure out how to... Uh, you know, how to manage the content of that site, whether it's going to be a wiki or whether it's going to be a Drupal site or a WordPress site or whatever, you it's know. It's good to know those are all still around. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's good to know. And I'm I'm a huge fan of the Wiki uh, world. Wikimedia Foundation is, yeah. uh, they're, they're awesome. They're yeah. awesome. And I hope that they uh, continue to exist for many, many years. Uh, many a podcast on this show is supported, if not participated or with the participation of the WMF oh, good. and WMDE in Germany. Oh, I haven't gotten to tell you all about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, One of my patrons of podcasting. Well, I, I'm uh, I'm very fond of Wiki, uh, uh, yeah. Wikimedia Foundation and uh, the people that work there and the work they do. And, uh, you know, it's uh, – and also another organization that I think needs a shout-out is the Internet Archive. Um, yes. Although they're going through some hard times, I think, right now. Mm. But um, um, a lot of their content has ended up uh, – transitioning over to uh, over to youtube and uh, so mm. now stuff that you used to find on the internet archive is no longer there it's you have to find it on a commercial site on a google site you know huh. so yeah i was really surprised uh, that was um but that's what has happened you know yeah there's a, a guy who appears here and there on uh and i'm looking up in my in my phone it's like a cyclist multitasking um he worked or works i can't tell as a listener, if he's still there for Internet Archive. Mm-hmm. And he also appears on the Hacker Radio off the hook in, in New York to talk about what Archive is doing. Yep. And actually, he recently went on to announce a, a I guess, a, a momentous occasion because a lot of content had just been, had just become public domain. Yes. Music-wise. Yes, I guess, right, when the new, the new, the new uh, burst of previously copyrighted material that became available. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty cool. And so someone mentioned that he himself had a podcast, so I went looking for it, and his show is called Jason Scott Talks His Way Out of It. Oh, nice. And I've yeah. been trying it out, and it's, it's a, here's what I like. It's different. Yeah. Uh, I'm always excited when I find a show that just sounds a little different. Well, one of the things I get to brag about in my life is that I actually had a conversation on the phone one day with Brewster Kale, the man who uh, started the Internet Archive. And I don't even remember what was it about. I was, <laughs> I was, um, I was researching uh, something to do with, um, with um, public domain uh, ebooks, And uh, so I, I talked to him about it a little bit and learned about his, 
his theory, which I think at the time was that uh, because of the fair use laws in the states, that if you had a copy of a book and you put it in a shipping container out in the desert and had an electronic version of it available, that you could distribute as many copies electronically as you had copies in the shipping container in the desert, you know. So that was their oh. that was their that was their thing for the Internet Public Library and the Internet uh, the Internet Archive Book Project was to. Uh, was to use that um, that that copyright law that says when technology changes that you can make a copy of whatever you have and yeah. and make it available. So I think that was what the conversation was about. But um, but it's a fascinating um, organization and one that another one that deserves the support of everybody. I try to yeah. I try to give a little money every year to Wikimedia and a little bit of money to the the Internet Archive because yeah. I think they're doing they're doing you know really important work. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean they're what's also fascinating is their scope is so beyond, you know, many things on the internet may appear to some people as being very US centric or, or yeah. there's a lot of projects that are based in the US for an American audience. But uh, even just the Wikimedia Foundation, which yeah, is based yeah. in California, they do projects for so many countries in the world. Yeah. But it's not just that, right? They also consult with, talk to, support, encourage uh, chapters in a long list of countries and developing countries yeah. especially yeah, yeah amazing yeah. In, in countries uh, that are not so wealthy and it's uh, yeah. it's uh, yeah it's really good work that they do and they you know they um, they use their money wisely uh, they have a staff that uh, seems to be uh, pretty uh, uh, collegial and collaborative with each other and and yeah. um, you know focused on the on the uh, mission as opposed to uh, to building their own personal brands and stuff like that. Yeah. And I mean, this content, you know, archive, and we, we were talking a little bit about copyright and music. Mm -hmm. This is the kind of stuff that has always also come in handy when it comes to making things out of audio. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. You know, there's our voice, but there's also the sounds that we, we can yes. grab. And and, and, I, and I, I, I grab images from them all the time. Um, I'm working on a new project right now called the Grumpcast, which is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Do you, you know, need to explain? Yeah, no, there's no <laughs> need to explain what that's the all grump about. Cast. The Grumpcast, yeah. yeah. And so I'm, uh, you know, uh, I uh, I hang out with some other old folks, and we get pretty grumpy sometimes about the world. So uh, you so put yeah. microphones in front well, of them? Well, not yet. We're we're working on that though. But <laughs> I cameras? I needed uh, I needed an image to uh, you know to uh, to populate the web page for that, and I uh, was able to find a nice one on the uh, on the uh, on the. Um, the Wikimedia, um, you know, Creative Commons site, yeah, 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 and was able to uh, do a little modification to it and make it uh, make it work for me. So, do you remember what uh, where this image came from in terms of era and perhaps uh, country? <laughs> well, it was um, I think it was ancient um, Greece. Though. No, it was a crow, and uh, I think <laughs> okay. the crow, um, I think the crow was maybe maybe had, had something to do with um, a particular distribution of Linux or something, or, you know, I don't remember the, but I, I do, um, I do document, of course, where it came from and sure, sure, no, because I, you want to give credit where credit is due. I wondered know. what represents a grump at this point. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, it was a, it was a, it was a crow with kind of a, you know, some black clouds over its head and, you know, looking very, very uh, dour and pissed off and everything. So, you know, there's a lot to be pissed off about in the world now, you know, so it's, it's easy to be grumpy, you know, and I, yeah, I try not to go there too much. I'm trying not to be the, you kids get off my lawn kind of uh, got a, got a guy. That but, is uh, not your style. Dave. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Matter of fact, I think there are a lot of kids just passing through your lawn. And, yeah. It happens a lot. Actually kind of hand them a drink. I think yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> but so you also, I find as you travel, 
uh, as you mentioned, there's a, there's a camera set up here. You've got a mic. Well, we're mic'd. Yes. Um, so you're also still uh, documenting. Yes. Yes. With I'm, a project in mind. Yes. I'm. I'm really. Uh, my my goal is to. Um, well, I have two goals. One is to uh, visit as many maker spaces as I can around right. the uh, around the globe, and um, and talk to these folks and figure out what they're doing and and how they're, um, you know, how they're. Um, their space is organized. We and we find that um, I've I've been at, been to a lot of spaces before I started recording them, and um, I've you know found that there's a lot of common problems. You know, and what do you do about the asshole that you know, yeah. or the yeah. or the misogynist that comes in, or whatever you know, the yeah. the racist that shows up. How do you deal with that? Um, and uh, how do you deal with um, people being sloppy and leaving their shit behind? And how do you deal with um, what's the culture like? And you know, what's governance like? And, yeah. and you know, and um, and what happens if somebody wants to come and throw money at you? How do you deal with that? You yes. know, and, and uh, those are all, you know, those are all uh, common problems that every space seems to have. So I'm, I'm trying my best to, uh, to meet as many makers. I had a really nice uh, conversation a couple of weeks ago in Tallahassee with a visiting uh, a guy who travels around the country for the Nation of Makers, which is a uh, huh. uh, Nation of Makers is a uh, organization that came out of a meeting at the White House uh, back when. Uh, when uh, President Obama was was in uh, in the White House, he mm. was interested in maker spaces and had a had a maker fair at the White House and you know a lot of science fairs and things like that. And mm. um, but this organization started there, and so my uh, my friend Joel now is uh, traveling around the country and and uh, visiting spaces and bringing you know bringing ideas from one space to the next and so on. And I had a nice sit down with him, and um, so I've done a few a few of these now, and um, there are still unedited they're still waiting to, to be put together and uh yeah you know it's just uh this is the first overseas trip i've ever taken a laptop with me mm. normally i bring small technology with me portable technology but this time i wanted to have something like a cut um cut video on and cut audio on and yeah and try to work it out so yeah so i'm, huh. I'm a little my technology stacks a little more complicated than it's been in the past and actually i think i have exactly the same uh the same laptop that you have there, probably, or very yeah. similar to it. Still going. Still going, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's light. But, um, yeah, no, and you remind me of the fact, a couple of things. One is, I remember, and, and you, you've just made reference to, you know, maker spaces, hacker spaces. Yes. I, for me, it was around 2007, 2008 that there was a, it, there had been booms before, mm -hmm. uh, because in, in Germany, we're going back into the 90s, and there were, you know, chaos computer club setting yeah, yeah. up. That was kind of that was kind of the uh, nexus, I think, of the yeah of the of the you know kind of the the birth of the movement was in Germany, I think, yeah. and uh, and around two thousand seven, two thousand eight. I remember my friends. A few of my friends were involved with hackerspaces dot org, mm -hmm. and and that's when I would I even just found a few blog posts from going to Hack DC and just seeing the space or mm -hmm. what was then mm -hmm. called NYC Resistor, which mm -hmm. I think has changed names and locations mm -hmm. now. But it's interesting how. You know, these spaces have now existed. When they first set, were set up, it was remarkable and how they worked for their first few years. But now we're we're 10 plus years into it. Yeah. And that's a big question, right? Like maturity changes, yeah. problems that come up. Yeah. And, and, you know, part of it is that they're mostly volunteer organizations. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, volunteers have a lifespan, you know. Uh, yeah. um, some cases, sadly, it's a physical lifespan, but in mm -hmm. many cases, it's a, a commitment lifespan, you know, yeah. and people change. I just left uh, the, I've been uh, the president of my space since uh, 
2011 or so, and I just left that uh, you know that leadership board because it was it was time it's time for people that were younger and smarter and more in, interested and you know more connected to to the culture than I was, and mm-hmm. um, so it was a good time. Good that there are such people it's good available. That, it, it's good that there yeah. are, and, and I, I, I you know I'm really I'm looking forward to. Uh, this organization remaining viable for many years to come. But, but it is, it's very difficult to run an organization with volunteers and in some spaces, you know, they've managed to figure out how to, to collect some funding and, um, and, you know, hire management, the fab labs that are around, there's a fab lab in, in Amsterdam. Uh, the fab labs uh, model includes, usually includes paid staff in most places. Right. And, um, Oftentimes they're supported by uh, governments or by sure. uh, educational institutions and things like that. But um, but yeah, it's been interesting. I've done some consulting for libraries that want to start their own maker spaces, and mm-hmm. uh, that's been interesting. They, uh, you know, they're. It's interesting what people think a maker space is too, because sometimes <laughs> they they think that if they'll just put a three D printer out, and you know, maybe right. if they're really really uh, doing well, maybe a laser cutter or something, and then. You know, then and it's going to be a makerspace, and and it's nice to produce to put tools in people's hands, and, and it's great. But it's it's the, really the culture I think that's that's the most interesting, and people working together in the wacky projects that have come along. You know, and uh, right. some of them are successful, and many of them aren't. But it's yeah. kind of like the the ninety ten rule in R and D. You know, if mm-hmm. you get ten percent successes, you're a, you're right. a rock star in R and D. Well, the other thing that's interesting is what is considered a success, right? I think. A lot of, especially maybe government slash chamber of commerce type uh, think, well, if it's a project that comes out of a, a maker space or, or a hacker space and, and it becomes a business, yeah, that's a success. That right? is, yeah. And it's interesting <laughs> because, you know, we in the, the space that I that I belong to now in, in Florida, uh, we uh, tag ourselves as an arts and technology space. And uh, and a lot of our projects are arts oriented, um, yeah. you know, sculptors and jewelers and and uh, you know people who do photography and things and and so um, you know it's a um, it's it's you know it's hard to put value on that kind of thing but you're right you know when you talk to the um, the economic development people that's what they want to know you know how many how many uh, new business startups have you <laughs> you know come, come how many people are being employed because of this you know yeah. what have you done to to make the world a better place from our perspective which is right. you know having to do with economic development and of course their model is. The economic development model is um, let's give uh, free land and a um, some tax breaks and some grants to a big corporation to come in and put a factory in our city. That's mm-hmm. that's that's kind of their model. And let's be the next Amazon headquarters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was actually I can't believe in my little town they actually put in a proposal to Amazon. <laughs> I was like, you guys are nuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, first of all, you're you're very aspirational, but secondly, you know, it's a town with you know. The infrastructure barely supports the two universities that are there in state government, and yeah. and to bring in a giant corporation would be very disruptive. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty glad that Amazon it's had more you. sense than that. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so your tour will go on from here. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm going to be uh, actually uh, I'm going to be uh, uh, heading toward uh, to Germany next, and I have a appointment in one of the spaces in Berlin to go. Uh, go visit with them and uh, and do an interview there and um, I'm hopefully going to a space here in uh, in Amsterdam this evening and, and meeting some people there and doing some video there I hope and then um, on to uh, on to Italy and I do have some appointments uh, set up with a couple of folks that are in the maker movement there uh, I haven't actually been to the uh, the maker space in, in the city I'm going to Bologna yet um, I've um, 
you know, I'm, I'm trying to improve my language skills uh, to the point where I can have a, a decent conversation with somebody there. I think it's pretty um, rude to go to a country and assume that everybody speaks your language. Mm. And it's, um, you know, I really try my best if I'm going to spend time in a city to learn a little bit of the language and be able to, uh, you know, be able to, and, you know, Amsterdam is different because, you know, I've, I remember going into a store one time, one of my early trips here and I was, I'd been practicing Dutch and I went into a, I think a tobacco store or something to get a strip cart for the train. So it right. was a long time ago. And, um, and I tried to start talking in Dutch to this uh, young woman at this, at the tobacco shop. And, and uh, she says, Hey, let's just talk in English. It'll be so much easier. You know? So, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah but, yeah. but uh, I think in, in other parts of the of the world, Italy, especially it's, uh, I think it's very polite to try to yeah. try to have some Italian and, and, and do the best I can in it. And I'm yeah. getting better at it, you know? Yeah. I've heard you say many, I think even in this podcast, you threw in a, uh, a your, 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 my, my, my retired status. Your retired status was thrown in. So I think all of our Italian speaking listeners will enjoy. And even the ones who don't speak Italian will go, I think I know that word. Yeah. yeah. That's another fun thing, right? We yeah. can just learn some words at least. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Some yeah, things. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And then the other thing I hope to do in Italy is uh, the other project I'm working on is um, I'm working on a, uh, a book right now, and it's a book about, about food. Mm. And it's an interest of mine. And uh, so, um, um, you know, I think food is local. And um, I think that um, the idea of trying to explain to people in other parts of the world what food is like, for example, in Emilia Romagna, where I'm going, it's relatively. Um, it's interesting, but kind of pointless because the ingredients are, are different. You know, you know, mm -hmm. you know in in, uh, in Italy, there's a kind of flour that they use for making pasta that you can't get anywhere else. You mm -hmm. know, and uh, um, there's you know meats and cheeses and you know different vegetables and different fish and things that are are just local to the area. So I think food is local, but I still want to to document some of it because it's so interesting. And I'm yeah. hoping this will be an excuse to get into the kitchens of some of, <laughs> some of the grannies <laughs> that know how to cook the delicious food. That's my that's my goal anyway. Yeah. So uh, you know, it's my my uh, excuse for it is, I'm, yeah, I'm writing a book, and so maybe you'll let me come into your kitchen and talk to you a little bit and record a little bit about what you're doing. I was just thinking what you were, you were saying makes, you know, sense, and, and I like it. Food is local. And then what am I going to do, though, about my love of Japanese, Indonesian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I, 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 mean, I make, uh, you know, I make Thai green, tofu Thai green, green curry, you know, pretty frequently at my house. And, uh, you know, I was... Uh, the accommodation that I'm staying at here in town right oh. now, uh, uh, there's um, oh, there's a Korean uh, woman oh. there, and I was uh, telling her that yeah, I had um, I had uh, attempted to make kimchi, but my Korean friends laughed at it because they said the taste was okay, but the color was really weird. Oh, you okay. know? Yeah. it became local basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Were. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so I think even you know I think even and it, and of course you know when you go to Japan and you and I have mm. both been there and you come back and and you go to uh, restaurants in your own city at. Um, you're just so disappointed, yeah. you know, it's like yeah. you, they've spoiled, you know, miso for you. They spoiled sushi for you. They've spoiled, you know, because. Give me some of that magic. Yeah, 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 can, yeah. So you can aspire a, to that, no? So, yeah. So I, I try to look for the local food where I go and, and even in my own city, I try to, we try to, try to buy local. There's an, a wonderful thing now happening in my city that's an online market for the, for the growers. And uh, so I may be here too. I don't know. Mm. But, uh, direct, like you can get it direct. Yeah, direct. From, well, the way the way it works is that um, the farmers will. There's about a hundred or so farmers who participate in this market, yeah. and they, uh, you know, um, end of the week they they let the uh, market know electronically what 
what they're going to have available, and they yeah. they not only not only uh, produce but other uh, edibles too. And um, and then you know on Sunday mornings it, the market opens up, and usually the good stuff is gone in about an hour, and. Uh, and then on Thursdays, the food is distributed. It's uh, there's people that collect the the stuff from the farmers and bag it up. And there's different ways of delivery. Some people go pick it up. Some people have it brought to them, and mm. and it's nice. So local local produce. We we have a now we have a, a new product that's just come out, which is uh, you know grits are a big thing in the south, right, and right. so we have smoked grits now. And the um, the farmer that's growing these grits is actually smoking them over hickory and and before he grinds them, and they you know it's it's interesting flavor. We're you know we're trying to figure out what to do with it, you know. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Between the vegetables, the uh, the audio video content. The traveling. I yeah. mean, there's, there's much I'm having a pretty good life, you know. Yeah, I'm hoping, yeah. my, hoping my health stays well for a while longer and, uh, you know, and uh, I'm able to do a little bit more of this. Um, but, um, you know, life is good and um, I'm really um, I'm really lucky to, I'm very lucky, very fortunate and fortunate to know you. And thank, uh, thank you. The feeling is mutual. Yeah. And yeah. I'm fortunate to be in this beautiful city and, uh, you know, eat the delicious food of Amsterdam. It's a, you know, <laughs> people don't um, typically think of Dutch culture as being no. a food culture, but it's a huge food culture. Yeah. I think and, it's a uh, newer development. Is uh, that right? Yeah, a friend of mine who's been here twenty years said, uh, "You should have seen twenty years ago." Well, so I'm, was, at, I'm almost at twenty, but still, he was talking about the '90s. So it was a stomp pot and uh, you know stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and it was unhealthy as well. Yeah. That's something that's also changed. The city kind of figured out how to enjoy food. But not hurt yourself. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, fries are good. Yeah, and then and they continue to be. But it doesn't have to be the only delicacy that people <laughs> are enjoying. Well, I, I always get a I always get a cone of fries when yeah. I come to uh, yeah. come to Amsterdam or to, to Brussels. Brussels or to uh, Antwerp or wherever. <laughs> yeah. But I always only eat like a third of it and then end up uh, you know yeah. composting yeah. the rest in the garbage can. So it's uh, yeah, I just can't do it too much of it. It's just too much of a good thing. But it's right. nice. It's a nice taste to have. When yeah. But yeah, no, the city has changed, and, and you get to, we all get to enjoy some of the <laughs> the benefits of that. Yes, uh, of course. Say. Yeah. yeah. Dave, it's, it's great to see you. It's great uh, to be here. Yeah. And great to hear your, your voice on this podcast. <laughs> um, I'm going to enjoy it listening as I, as I cycle around town. Oh, good. Um, and, uh, and that's a funny thing in the end as well. I mean, there's an audience, mm. you know, however many, but there's also you yourself as, yes. a, as a listener of content and your own content. And for me, that's the most important. You know, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's, really, uh, it's really fun and it's... Uh, you know, it kind of helps when you have fading memories as an old person to uh, <laughs> have to a catalog. <laughs> have a catalog, so <laughs> have the back catalog of your yeah. uh, of your memories. So, yeah. Well, Mark, thank you so much for the time today, and and thank you for um, showing me a little bit of your city, and thank you for uh, helping me with my technology a little oh, yeah. bit. And, oh, um, yeah. yeah, and I'm going to follow up on some of the things you suggested. So, thank you for that too, and uh, look forward to the next time. Huh? Yeah, likewise. Yeah, yeah. Here's an audio handshake. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Oh, there's video. There's video so happening too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All, All right. right. And, Thank you, Mark. Uh, yeah, and let's do this again uh, next yeah. chance we get. I hope so. All right. Davy Brightbill is a podcaster, an educator, a cyclist, a hacker, and a human I'm so happy to call my friend. Before I leave you with the wonderful sounds of Neighbor, the band, uh, I wanted to make a few small announcements. I think the biggest one should be that this podcast, Citizen Reporter, 
as well as Source Code Berlin, the program that I've done in cooperation with Wikimedia Deutschland for the last few years, that that has currently on hiatus until I figure something out. Uh, but it's all now on Spotify. I don't know how many of you are Spotify users. Uh, I happen to be. I'm not saying you should be, but it is impressive. The entire archive going back to 2004 is there on Spotify and it plays quickly, easily. It looks good. Thankfully, I occasionally manage to include nice images with my uh, descriptions of shows. So if you use Spotify at all, uh, maybe look in the podcast section and and follow this show or or tell people uh, that that they can, because it really makes content from the past relevant again, which I which I love, uh, and I and I firmly believe that it can be. Uh, other things include the program Babel of the Bastards, which is a sort of side program I do with Isaac Simon uh, on social science and Game of Thrones. There's a few episodes that have been in the vault that have not yet been released. They're coming out, and I'm going to put them in this feed. So uh, beware and uh, and maybe give it a chance. Isaac and I will be producing more kinds of podcasts. A uh, slightly different theme coming up, but uh, you know we understand that not everybody likes some of these things, and we make it. We try to make it as accessible as possible. You don't have to be a fan. Uh, theme music on today's program started with the Citizen Reporter theme, which is composed and recorded at Sparrow Recording by Nicka Fleto, the great musician, recording mind studio. He's many things, uh, but he's above all the theme music of this podcast. And also you're hearing the sounds of Neighbor and the voice of Maita Larburu, a longtime friend of mine who also allows me to use her music. And I love it. And I love sharing it with you. I'll be back real soon with many more podcasts. Citizen Reporter will march on or, or walk on or run on in 2019 because I, uh, I love this. This is what I've been doing for so many years, more than 14 years now. So stick with me. And I'll see you real soon. See ya. See ya. What cannot be, cannot be, cannot be. And then we lost our... uh we lost our train line after Hurricane Katrina. They said that they, it wasn't safe to bring the uh, the trains over the bridges anymore. Of course, they, they transport nuclear weapons over the bridges, you know, so on, on trains. So, so you know, it's, um, you know, I don't understand. But there had been passenger traffic? Oh, yeah, yeah. We had, we had a tri-weekly. Yeah. It, once a week they tried to get through. No, I think it was it was it was three <laughs> times it was three times a week, and it was uh, a <laughs> tri-weekly. It was a good service, you know. It was the uh, tri-weekly basis. It was the sunset.